Hi. Hi. I'm Evan. I'm Addie. And you are listening to the Speaking English podcast, the place to be for anyone who wants to watch more movies or read more books. This is episode 112, as well as book club 16. And uh, yeah, so joining us as ever for our book club is Aubrey. Hi, Aubrey. Hello. How's it going? You know, it's it's my last few days of, of freedom before I have to start work and then I have to start classes after that. So it's a little sad, but, you know, I'll get over it. I gotcha. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, yes, the book. We read <laughs> Never Let Me Go by Kazo Ishiguro, I think would be how you say his name. That sounded good to me. And yeah, uh, here we are to talk about it. <laughs> Aubrey, you chose this book. Do you have anything to, to introduce it? But yes, it's a 2005 dystopian science fiction novel that was, um, it's Ishiguro's later work. Uh, and it was adapted into a 2010 film with Andrew Garfield, Carrie Mulligan, and Kira Knightley, which oh, I watched. I had no idea. <laughs> and then it was also adapted into a Japanese TV series in 2016. And I also had yeah. no idea about the Andrew Garfield movie until a couple days ago. And I didn't even look into it. I just saw a TikTok. People are like really into Andrew Garfield right now. And it was like, this is my favorite Andrew Garfield movie, but it's really sad. And it's called Never Let Me Go. And it's about this and this. And, this. and I was like, Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> I've read that book. I had no idea it was a movie. So I'm really looking forward to watching that now. Me too. I want to check that out. I had no idea. You should do like a you should do like a double feature where it's like the book one week and then the movie the next mm. week. I do enjoy we that. Did that for um Rebecca. N- no. <laughs> <laughs> we read sorry. Sorry. <laughs> We read, uh, no. we read that earlier, and then we watched both. We did a double feature of both movies, but we did um, uh, The Devil All the Time. We did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We read the book and watched the movie. Uh, how was your week, Addie? Pretty good. I was in Washington, D.C. The Big Apple. Yesterday. The Big Apple. <laughs> um, it was my dear friend Jess's birthday. And um, Jess and I have this friend group of like six girls who are all pretty tight. And um, we wanted to like go the girl gang. That is actually what I refer to them as a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The coven or something. You could get like a witchy vibe to it. I do call them the coven sometimes, too. (laughs) We do a lot of witchcraft together. But (laughs) (laughs) we wanted to go somewhere for my friend Jess's birthday this year. And I have a family family members who live in Virginia on a lake house. And I was like, we should go stay with them for free at their big lake house. And then my friend Jess, whose birthday it was, was like, well, I've always wanted to go to Washington, D.C. and like see the museums and the monuments and whatever. And I was like, well, it's like a two hour drive from Virginia, so we can just do that. And slowly over the course of planning this, it became just Washington, D.C. Because <laughs> that is Jess's birthday and that's what Jess wanted. So it was there no Virginia. Go. It was just D.C. I spent four days um, walking through the museums. We walked like 10 to 12 miles every day. Awesome. It was like God. 90 to 100 degrees, extremely high humidity. 
it was the most, the second most exhausting vacation I've ever been on with the first being New York city. Um, so today I spent my day like recovering from that (laughs) as it was kind of a lot, but I sure did learn a lot of things and I saw a lot of things and spent some, a lot of quality time with my dear girl gang slash Kevin. And we did do witchcraft in DC. So, did you do it in front of the White House or no? In front of the Lincoln Monument. Oh, <laughs> nice. All right. All right. I'll take that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had a really good time, but I really am, you know, kind of worn out from that one. Now I have to recover. <laughs> there you go. That's the American dream right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> witchcraft in front of the Lincoln Monument. I have been to Washington, D.C. before. That's the only place on the East Coast that I've been. Nice. My mom took a business trip wow. there, so we tagged along and went to the museums and stuff. It was pretty cool. It's been yeah. a while ago now, uh, it, but uh, yeah, it certainly feels like the type of thing that you do for business or as a child. Which is why I have to keep giving this disclaimer about why I went there for a birthday party. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it was once supposed to be Lake House in Virginia, <laughs> and then came became this uh, like field trip. For me and my girlfriends instead you know what's yeah. funny about the business trip and the child i went there as a child yeah <laughs> we got evan with his business trips and we fit all the bases exactly yeah. that made it sound like evan went on a business trip yeah too. i was I also a child. Child. <laughs> like <laughs> that's not what i meant grade i feel like i was in seventh grade Seventh grade, Evan went on a business trip all the yeah, way to i was i was a business man <laughs> i had a business Let's see. My week was not nearly as interesting. I feel like I just worked a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm working all day, every day. Damn. Here lately, but it's fun because I'm good friends with a lot of my coworkers and been, like hanging out and stuff. So it's oh nice. That's awesome. But yeah, I uh, I think I, I think it was this week. Yeah, that I learned how to o- actually open the store. So now I'm there Ooh. opening up most days. That's awesome. Um, and making all the ice cream. So oh wow. Oh, that's really cool. Now, like most of the, since I did a good four out of five days in a row, um, most of the ice cream is like made by me that we're serving people right now. So it's cool. Um, Very cool. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of about it. I'm planning some fun stuff. I got a couple of concerts coming up and uh, I have jury duty later this week. Um, so good I'm luck. Sure. I've uh, never had to do jury duty before. I haven't either. I have no idea what to expect. Yeah, me neither. Hopefully, I it's the a thing fun where you get <laughs> called and they like ask you the questions and stuff. Uh-huh. But then I think I went like too liberally college student for them uh-huh. because they let me go after that. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, really, I, really don't, <laughs> I really don't want to get picked for a trial, so I'm considering like saying some really whack stuff. I think that's a great idea because I have a concert the next day, and I wouldn't want to have to drive up from Colorado Springs to Denver. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah i don't know we'll see i'll have more to say about it not next episode we're doing a quick turnaround we're going to do a double a double episode week again this time but Mm -hmm. uh, in two episodes from now you'll hear you'll hear from me on my jury experience unless they don't even need me uh because i was i was telling my mom about it apparently you know you're supposed to call the night before and make sure that they still want you to go and sometimes they won't so Hopefully that's what happens. Yeah, that would be really nice. I don't know, but I feel like if it's in the springs, it's not that hard to like 
you know, it's a bit more conservative down there, so it's not that hard to freak people out with your liberalness. <laughs> oh, I was going to swing the other way and just pretend to be really racist. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think no. that would be funny. I'm calling your mom. I'm calling your mom. <laughs> That's not nice. That's so funny. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> yeah, that's my week. Nice. Okay. Wow. Uh, so before we get into the book proper, how do we feel about the book cover? <gasps> I hate <No>. it. <laughs> One of my least favorite book covers ever. I did put in some effort to try to find a different book cover, but I couldn't find one around town and I just wanted to pick it up that day. I didn't want to order it. So mm. I got the book cover with the real person, the eyeballs. <laughs> The text that doesn't fit in the boxes <laughs> for some reason, and I hate looking at it. Wait, I'm just looking yeah. at it now. Did this guy win the Nobel Prize? That's crazy. He did. He did. I have more information. Yeah, let's Don't hear. Worry. Let's hear the. Oh yeah. Okay, I'll go with you. Wait, but I just have to. I just have to complain a little bit more. I can't even stand <laughs> like the text on the book cover. It just it kills me. It's Times yeah. New Roman. That's like my favorite font. <laughs> The font is fine. It's the oh, same. Okay. It's like the fact that, you know, I would have been fine if it was just like all touching the lines, but it's the fact that like the G is slightly cut off, yeah, but then the, the title and his name are literally like aligned fine. And there's so much Anyways. space beneath the cut off G. Yes. Why? Who designed Who did this? Uh. It's so poorly done. I hate it. It's not good. And then there's this, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's also this little mouth on the side. Oh, yeah. Jeez. I never like, saw I, that. I cannot. <laughs> I hate I'm that. I'm going to have to store this like with the bottom facing out <laughs> or something. <laughs> My apologies to, you know, Mr. Ishiguro. It well, it's uh, it's first vintage international. Yeah, vintage books. Yeah, it's their fault. They have a cover design, but it just says Keenan. I don't know if that's a name. You Vintage know what, International is now on our Hall of Not Fame. Hall yeah, of prison, podcast prison. Public podcast Enemy prison. number two. Number three. Wait. I, Cooper, I, I still think Bradley Cooper should be a public enemy. Bradley Cooper is public enemy number one. No, Army Hammer is public in. Oh, oh my god. god. That's not about Army yeah. Hammer. Oh my god. I, well, I? The thing is, is that I don't dislike Bradley Cooper that much. Mm-hmm. I just want to rag on him for whatever reason. That's fine with me. I'm, Army I'm Hammer just seems like an awful dude all Anyways, Bird book cover Bird. gets zero from me, but book feel in hand, perfect 10 out of 10. This is what I That's want fair, yeah. to be structured like. It's a nice thin floppy paperback standard length and the texture is good it's not plasticky i actually really agree because when you brought this stuff up about the the how disgusting the cover was i didn't it didn't come to mind because i just was when i was reading it i wasn't looking at the cover i was just holding it and i was like yeah it was, a, it was an enjoyable book to hold. When I was uh, it's a perfect hold. A perfect book it's to a good hold. hold. Sorry. It's a good hold, but <laughs> the cover <laughs> itself, me. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get into the some uh, some uh, information. Yes. In- introduce us. Uh, introduce the, the people at home to this. Right. So, like I said, 2005 dystopian science fiction novel by 
Ishiguro, Kazuo Ishiguro is what I'm going with. It was shortlisted for the Booker Prize, which Ishiguro has previously won for his first novel written in 1983, The Remains of the Day. Um, so Ishiguro is uh, Japanese-born, British-raised, and considers himself to be a British-Asian, his own words, author. He was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 2017, Um not for any specific book, but for his body of work as a whole is how it was described. Cool. His first novel, um, A Pale View of the Hills, which I have read and is my only other experience with him, um, focuses more on the idea of Japanese identity and being sort of removed from oneself. Um, he describes himself as a serious cinephile and a huge fan of Bob Dylan. Um, currently, he writes as well as doing stuff with TV, music, and movies. And his daughter is also a published author. Wow. Okay. Now, Very cool. a brief little summary. A brief little summary. So Never Let Me Go follows Kathy, Ruth, and Tommy as they move from the sheltered world of their boarding school, Hailsham, into the real world and confront some disturbing truths about who they are and what they are for. I think that was pretty good. Perfect. I think that was excellent. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's get some overall thoughts on this book. How, what are the overall impressions? Because I know what mine are. Aubrey, you go first. Oh, I feel so special. <laughs> I I enjoyed this. I really like this. I think this might even I think it has earned its place on the bookshelf, but it felt like a a very realistic science fiction novel, which sometimes when you read science fiction, it's kind of hard because it's so removed that it just doesn't feel possible. Mm -hmm. Um like Dune is just you're just in a fantasy world but with this one it felt very real and it was also very human mm -hmm. so i liked it a lot nice i also liked it quite a bit i thought it was paced like perfectly like in terms of the structure of the story i really liked how kind of slowly it unfolded um i thought it was pretty thought-provoking I, I guess I'll get into this more, but I feel like the only like drawback for me is that I sort of feel like this concept has been done by other books and movies, or at least, I mean, not exactly like this, but pretty yeah. similarly. So it didn't feel all that like fresh to me, but I wonder, I mean, if I had just like read and watched things in a different order, would I have appreciated yeah. this more? I have no idea, but it is a super interesting concept. And I agree. It felt so human. Um, the characters i thought the three like main characters were like really interesting people and like well written for like the context of their lives which is like hard like it's kind of like this is not a real context so how do you make up characters who like how would you decide how characters would behave in a context such as this and i thought that the author did like a great job coming up with some answers to that question mm. I'm conflicted about this book and I'm kind of <laughs> leaning towards not been liking it that much. Interesting. I thought that I didn't like how it ended. I didn't like the whole third section. Um, I guess mm -hmm. I, I do. I definitely do agree that the, the way that it's paced is super well. I just mm -hmm. thought that the payoff, I didn't, I don't know, rub me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess uh, for me, I just didn't know what to get out of this book at the end of it. 
because mm. it seemed like it was going one way. Um, and I don't know if I want to get into like the spoiler stuff yet, but it just it uh, it seemed like it was telling two different stories to me and mm. uh, juggled them really well at the beginning, and then kind of in the, like the last section, kind of fumbled the bag as it were. Interesting. <laughs> In my opinion, but, uh, that's just what I got out of it. But I think it's, yeah, I agree with what you said about like the way that the, the main players are characterized mm-hmm. is like done super well. And you kind of really get to get to like know these characters by the end of the book, which I think is really cool. And that was the best yeah. part of it for me. Um, but maybe I don't, I don't know how, how well it, it uh, executed the uh, sci-fi concept for me. Oh, interesting. To be honest. I also, at the end of reading, it felt the same way where I was just sort of like, what was I supposed to take from all of that? Like, it did feel like it wanted to have this, like, strong message about genetics. Genetic (laughs) engineering? I have no idea. Something like that. Um, And I don't, like, really know... I still don't think I know what the full point was. Mm. Like, who is this book trying to like speak on? Like it, it felt like it wanted to have this like strong moral backbone or like make this argument about like real life. And I don't really know what that argument was supposed to be, but I could be just missing it. Like it it could be really easy for somebody to just tell me what the argument is. And then for me to be like, Oh, (laughs) I get it. (laughs) As of right now, I don't know what it is. I agree with you on that one. It feels kind of like um, all those philosophy questions that are always like, can you use a man as a means to an end? And it was, Mm -hmm. and it's like, I'm not a philosopher, so I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But it was also, I I don't know, I kind of took it as more of like a, a, you know, how do you decide what makes something that's been created human enough to be given rights? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. <laughs> that's it. I do agree, but that's just the question of Blade Runner. After I finished this book, yes. I actually texted right. my boyfriend and I was like, I don't know why somebody would read this book when you could just watch Blade Runner, <laughs> which maybe did that question better. It also you know, reminded you know me of a Gattaca. Sorry. Yeah, yeah okay. Gattaca too. That was yeah, that was a good point. But you know what's funny? Right after I finished this book, I was with my dad in the Springs, and would you like to guess what two movies we watched back to back? Blade Runner and Blade Runner Twenty Nine. Yeah, excellent. I think that is the only Ryan Gosling performance that I like. Haven't wanted to hit him in. Like, no, usually, what? <laughs> I, I'm not a Ryan. That's Gosling. slander here. I'm. We're, yeah, we're, we're Ryan Gosling. We're Ryan Gosling. Oh, speaking of, real quick, can I make uh, this is way off topic, and you can finish your point. I'm just really excited about this. Mm-hmm. There's a new trailer drop for this movie called The Gray Man that has Ryan Gosling in it, uh, and it's set in Prague, and they were shooting. They were either rap production before I got there or like yeah. wrapped it in the early stages of when I was there. But I remember hearing about, um, you know, they're, they're making a Ryan Gosling movie when, when I was there. And then I saw the trailer and I just saw like Prague landmarks that I recognized. And I was like, yeah. wait a second, this <laughs> is that movie. So now I'm really excited to see that it's coming out on July 15th. Whoa, the day Maybe we can do an episode uh, about it. My birthday episode. Yeah. <laughs> Right, man. All right, sorry, continue. Oh, but yeah, Blade Runner. 
First of all, for the original Blade Runner, to get off topic, do we take the Ridley Scott cut where Harrison Ford Deckard is a replicant, or do you guys do like one of the other international or the original cuts? Well, I think that even in the Ridley Scott cut, it's not clear. There's, it's, I don't think it's fair to say that, uh, that Deckard is a replicant in that. I think there's an, there's a, uh, clues that point in that direction but it's not like it just outright says it um mm-hmm. so but i think it doesn't matter because they made another one <laughs> i know but he has, but he has <laughs> the eyes in the whole unicorn section yeah last words of you've done a man's job like, i mean they're, they're clues but i don't yeah. think it's, I don't I think like it's fair to say replicant the version where he is a replicant like it's, <laughs> okay the version where i think i mean clearly implied to answer your question i don't think it means <laughs> <laughs> okay. i like to believe that he's a replicant personally that makes it more fun to me but i agree it is up for interpretation I, yeah but then i would i would say that what happens in 2049 kind of makes it like it leans very heavily into she is a replicant especially because what Jared Leto's character is doing with the whole like we need to breed replicants like I feel like it doesn't make sense if they're doing like a replicant human hybrid so then it kind of takes the mystery out of it but that being said 2049 is still great it's still wonderful I loved 2049 it was great I'm still very disappointed that it was not considered a box office hit because I went and saw it Mm -hmm. apparently nobody else did it's great. I didn't see it in the theaters and it came out. I loved it. Shame. Shame. (laughs) Anyways, I did feel that this book uh, very heavily inspired or, I don't know, very similar thought line as Blade Runner, Gattaca, and also did you guys ever read the like YA book, um, Unwind when you were kids? That sounds really familiar. You're going to laugh. I do you, would you like to guess what's on my to-be-read right shelf right now, the next book? Mind. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I read that when I was in middle school, and pretty much the same concept as this one. Mm-hmm. I like think really, actually... Very close. Sorry, I think I read uh, a book by the same author who did Unwind. Because it, it was about dead kids or something. It is about dead kids, yeah. It is, oh, yeah. maybe I read Unwind then. It has... A few very disturbing. But there's like a it was like a series though. Like a yes. It, yeah, oh yeah, I read that in middle school too. Nice. This reminded me a cool. lot of that. I think the thing <laughs> yeah. that this book does differently for me than any of those other ones that do the same the same idea is it kind of brings into this question of like, does it matter in the end if these people who are created oh, yeah. unethically uh, for you know this like very intentional purpose to die does it matter if they're treated well while they're alive ultimately and I think that that is a really interesting question yeah. and I really liked that it kind of got into that especially like the end scene where they find uh, the madam or whatever the, yeah like, madam and miss Emily yeah, yeah that had people from the school and the, the two of them have, are like, I at the time, we thought we were doing something very novel and something very ethical. Nobody else was doing it, and we were fighting for your rights. And now here we are, and you're about to die anyway, and we're old people, and it does, doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that that was really quite compelling, and I liked that as a question. I don't know that like that question alone, though, is enough to make this whole novel like worth it. 
when like outside of that very specific theme, it's just so similar to what's already been done on this subject of like human engineering. Mm. So that's my thoughts on Never Let Me Go versus yeah. Blade Runner. <laughs> versus yeah. <that. laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I do think that like the ending thought that you just had about how it, like if you're born to die and you know that you're going to die like does it really matter the quality of life that you had preceding mm-hmm. that yeah that's that's really interesting i hadn't thought of that before i i also yeah thought that it was interesting that was my favorite part my favorite i don't know like idea that got explored by this book mm-hmm. and i don't have an answer you know like it really the book totally leaves that like up for you to answer and i don't know what the answer is but it's really kind of cool to think about and it kind of gets into um, the whole idea of like a kind versus a cruel action, because you know, in many ways, it was a, it was a kind thing to raise the children that way. Mm-hmm. And I think Miss Emily, in the end, talks a lot about how conditions all over um, the UK, or maybe it's specifically England. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, like where the children are being raised quite poorly. But then it's also this very cruel thing to have raised these children in this loving and and nurturing environment and letting them have these dreams, knowing that they'll never be able to achieve them. Yeah. And maybe even knowing that they'll start questioning things like when they're raised with this type, this like education about what's going to happen what's going on with them, like who they were made from and they get to go out in the real world. And they're like raised to be like smart enough to, I just start trying to get to the bottom of these types of things. Then it's like, you've inflicted this cruelty of like, they never had to know that like other people live their lives, you know, like these are just clones that were made to donate their organs. They did not have to be aware of all that life has to offer when you are an old person (laughs) and they never be old, (laughs) you know, like why even tell them this? Yeah. Well, the thing that was like the most interesting concept to me that got explored was probably about, um, like how much to let them know because it seemed like very sheltered and that was like a lot of the focus of the early of the first section was mm-hmm. about like little slip-ups and stuff like that when you know what what really what is the, the point of um you know sheltering them from that if it doesn't if it's still the result so i know that tied back together well when they really kind of uh ask that question towards the last section Kathy asked the question of who was right. And she's like, I kind of think Miss Lucy was right. And I probably agree. It, it, like, you know, just looking at it, it's, you know, the only reason it wouldn't be if they were trying to change how it all works within their lifetime, which it didn't seem like was the goal. It seemed like the goal was to, I don't know, treat them to as harvest, a harvest the organs and, and let them perish. <laughs> well, no, I'm talking about like the hail, the specific goal of the hail shem. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like to, uh, I don't know, just like treat them as if they like treat them as as they would a, a any other like person. So it's it's I don't know that that's what I found interesting though. Um, yeah, I agree. I guess the thing that that bugged me the most about uh, how it how it all like was presented is that. Uh, and I really like this in the earlier sections about how he kind of 
didn't explain anything right away it was just mm -hmm. like her account and then you gradually like learn things but mm -hmm. the thing that i didn't like about that is that it seemed like the la the second to last chapter which is when they went and talked to them um it was like it was like all building up to that like they revealed everything but i think by that point you kind of piece together how it all like what all is going on so yeah. at least for me it, it seemed like it was building up to that as like a big reveal and then it just kind of told you stuff that you already knew and that was mm -hmm. like seemed like the climax of the book to me so that's that's why i kind of felt like uh like what was the point <laughs> like what am i supposed to get out of it because it seemed like mm -hmm. you're you're thinking about it in that frame of mind um like kind of for me like the whole third section it becomes like clear pretty quickly like what's going on hmm. um so i just didn't know what to make of it and then the last chapter when it like all shakes out and the book ends it's like i don't know it, it didn't it didn't uh like bring anything new to the table i guess by then and i was like okay well what what am i supposed to get out of it I yeah guess. interesting i don't know i i don't think i really felt that way I think, like, I agree that the meeting didn't have some sort of, like, big reveal or big, like, twist. Yeah. But I I don't feel like I was, like, anticipating that and, like, uh, or needed to have it. I don't know. I agree that it felt like everything had become clear before that. And then I felt like the main point of that scene was just, like, the disappointment to these characters. Uh, that, like, I thought that it became, like, intentionally clear that you as the reader know that uh, their organs are about to get harvested and that yeah. that's not going to change. And they, as these like sad clone people are still sort of like delusionally hoping that maybe they'll get like an extension on their time or it means something more than that. Or like the art was always, I don't know, something more valuable that could like change their future. And then they go have this meeting and you go into it knowing that they're about to be completely disappointed and then they are yeah, and it's yeah. just kind of like uh-huh <laughs> like, right so then what was the point of like raising them all in this humane way or humane way or whatever like i don't know to me it just became another like way to question is it actually humane what they did to these mm -hmm. people you know and it was yeah. fine it wasn't a twist outside of that yeah I, I do see that but also for me it was kind of like I didn't, it never really like made a difference for the characters. It did, but it, I don't know. It, I just, that, I just think it, the last chapter and the way it all wrapped up, there was like a weird disconnect. And I don't know if this is just because I read it wrong or it like, <laughs> I, it, it just didn't feel like, it, feel, it felt like it was like, it, it addressed that. And this is what I was saying at the very beginning about how it kind of was on two tracks, you know, and one of them is about like their discovery of this. And I guess for me, the other one was kind of just like how they interact as people, like the three principal characters. Mm -hmm. um, so it seemed like there was just a disconnect, like that wrapped up the one thing, but it didn't necessarily seem like it affected anything in Ruth uh, and uh, Kathy and Thomas and uh, Tommy's relationship at the end. So I just didn't really know how to piece it together. <laughs> yeah. And like, maybe ironically enough, it, it seems like this, I would have been more okay with it in like a movie setting because then mm -hmm. you to like throw in your own ideas and you still do, but I guess it just, it felt a little weird to me and I don't really mm -hmm. know exactly, I don't know how to articulate exactly why. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I liked it. I liked that the end was just sort of this like disappointment, but also exactly what we knew was coming all along. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like a very real disappointment. Because sometimes it, these novels end and you're like, why that like that serendipitous end would never actually happen. But here it was a very real sense of being let down. It was mm-hmm. like very realistic. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also liked Tommy's choice to like ultimately die without Kathy present. To, to like have to switch carers or whatever so that Kathy wouldn't like see him like that in his final moments. Um, I thought that that like made a lot of sense. It's a very sad book, but I I almost wish there was more information about like the history of the program and kind of what the do- what the carers were doing because it's this thing that's like happening and Kathy's you know a carer and she's been one for a long time, but then we don't really ever get any insight into why the clone people are being made to take care of their own, which almost feels like cruel to be. I feel the exact there. same way. Like, why? What was the point of the carers and like all of these different facilities? And also, what's the point of cloning people to make organs in the first place? Am I, I, maybe I just don't know about this, but is there like a serious shortage of organs in this world? Yes. Okay. Yes, there is. (laughs) And um, interestingly, what they're doing now is trying to use a lot of this genetic engineering technology to make to use stem cells from humans and grow them on pig hearts and make these organs outside of um, people. Obviously, they're not cloning people and and raising the organs, but they are making these synthetic organs and hoping to use them because of how hard it is to get matched and how few organs are out there. Oh, wow. I checked the organ donor thing when I did my driver's license. I did, too. Me too. They're welcome to all of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of didn't mind that um, it's not all explained. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I think I'm of two minds about it, maybe, because it's it seems like a lot of so much of the story revolved around this concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I liked the way that the way that uh, Kathy narrates is that like she just assumes that you know what's going on and i like that aspect of it because you like you slowly but surely start to figure things out um and like part of me is glad that they didn't really just like outline every single thing about the whole deal because mm-hmm. it, it uh i guess um if it didn't do that it would feel like how you said earlier that it would be too sci-fi you know like if, if she's mm-hmm. like um if like Kathy's narration is like per, like talking about the world as it would feel like as a dystopian future, um, kind of like uh, tongue in cheek to the audience about like this isn't the world you know. But I I, I kind of like how it's like um, written from the perspective of like you live in this world with them, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that you understand the the uh, prevailing concept already. Um, and I I like the way that it was the writing was styled that way but at the same time i am still curious about about all the the stuff going on i think that i fully agree with what you just said (laughs) 
no further comments. That no further comments at this time. <laughs> I don't know. It kind I of hit the nail been, on the head. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of would have been nice to just have, like, even I've seen this done in a lot of these kind of sci-fi, but trying to be more real is they'll have like an appendice or a footnote mm. where it's just completely removed from the story that you're reading, but it is in the world. And it is like kind of ex- like telling you these breakthroughs. Like, mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned this book before, The People in the Trees by the same woman who did A Little Life. It has all these footnotes about like other things happening in the world. And it kind of gives you more insight into like why these things are happening in That's the story. Cool. Mm. that's cool yeah i'm thinking of like other examples i guess and uh like in the handmaid's tale so much happened before this story started taking place and you never get to know really like what was this like war like what were the events leading up to the events of the handmaid's tale why is there so much like toxic waste (laughs) in the country like all of those things are never explained and that was perfectly fine with me like there's no footnotes or anything i never felt the need to understand how we got to this point Mm -hmm. so i don't know why i felt like slightly differently in this one like i don't know i like i've read books before that offered me no context and was perfectly fine so like what makes this one feel a little bit different i honestly don't know yeah it was kind of like um the girl with all the gifts by what was it mr carry i think was his name it was a similar thing where you're just kind of like thrown into zombie apocalypse land and you're not really given a huge amount of detail about what happened but then it's always funny to me when authors go back and like write a like a prequel of their own series because that's what he did with the boy on the bridge and then oh who is that woman who did the it was the movie with Jennifer Lawrence that she got really big in Suzanne Collins and the, the Hunger, Hunger Games game. oh yeah and then she re, and the then Hungry she went back games. and wrote a prequel and oh. it was shit she it was did. So really yeah, I never shit. heard about that. <laughs> it was terrible. Don't read it. It ruined the whole thing. And then it like I ruined to the sci-fi. read the prequel to the Hunger Games. <laughs> so it, it, I feel like it's such a hard balance to strike. Yeah, totally. Yeah, sometimes the context like kind of ruins it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder actually, if this, this is one where like maybe it would actually fall apart if I had more information. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, no, I'm gonna go on record right now and say that I don't mind at all as long as you get a sense that the author knows mm, which it was okay. the case in this one like he mm. clearly figured out like what yeah. the world of his story is yeah. so i don't mind that we as the reader don't know everything about it because it's it's uh, seems like it's clearly there I, I don't know there's still just something about it that just like just doesn't make sense to me I don't know. I guess maybe his intention with this purposely leaving it out is kind of to reflect the way Kathy feels because she often goes back and says, and we knew this already and it wasn't a shock to us, but I don't know how I knew that. Right. Because especially when she's reflecting in the earlier section, she's like, I'm sure we must have been told about the donations because it wasn't a surprise to us then, but it was taboo. So I almost wonder if it was to create that kind of a sense that you're learning all these little things along the way but it's like i can't pinpoint the moment when i realized that they were donating all their organs but like by the end i knew that's what was happening mm-hmm. i feel like i was surprised when i learned 
that they were donating all their organs. Like it was very clear that I think you learned that they were clones before you learned that they were donating organs. And it was like, what? Why are they clones? Well, I think that they they turned up they brought up the concept of the like the word donor pretty oh. early on. Um, I don't know what I thought. I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, it, like it still wasn't clear, but it, she used the term like carer and donor, like really mm-hmm. early on in the mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that kind of at least like primed me. Yeah. When I was reading it to be like, okay, and right. piece it together eventually. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I think I caught the vibes, the unwind vibes also. The unwind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be like unwind," and then it totally was. <laughs> but I'm I actually sure. don't know which of those came first. I'm pretty sure unwind came afterwards. Yeah, I didn't realize this was 2005. I thought it was more recent. I thought that too. I gotta look this up real quick. I gotta give credit where credit is due. And drown wind. So, so just a couple years after this one. Yeah. Well, I wonder if he mentions. I'm gonna. I'm looking at the Wikipedia. In uh, Unwind is actually like framed to be commentary on abortion, but yeah. I don't think it does that well at all <laughs> based no. on what I remember. The idea of the world no, of the, wait, Unwind. Sorry, I that, just sorry, I just remember the guy's name is Neil Shusterman, right? Yes, he okay. wrote Unwind. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think the book, well, I think the books, the, the, the series of three that I read by him was something else. Oh, interesting. That dealt with the concept of dead kids. The concept of unwind is that abortion is completely illegal. You have to have the baby if you get pregnant. But then if you raise them up to the age of like 16, I think, and decide that you don't like them, you can have them unwound, <laughs> which is just donate all of their organs and limbs and stuff oh. until they are dead. No, I read a different, totally different series by the same guy that also dealt with the concept of kids dying i think i wonder what it was i just remember that she was a skin jacker she was really in a coma and not dead and that was like a big reveal what and if you're a skin jacker is a thing that's it that's the one that's the one (laughs) it's called what the skin jacker and it's by neil schuster and well what, yeah, what are the books called? Is a whacked out dude. How <laughs> is he coming up with this stuff? <laughs> it was I like it made an impression on me. I so like think of some stuff. What was the floor? What are the books called? In that I think about unwind all the time. They're called Ever Lost, Ever Wild. Yes, Found. yes, oh, that's, it. that's it. That's it. Is Neil? Is Neil okay? Has anybody? Let's check in on Neil. Can we? Can we check in on Neil? Make sure that he's doing all right. Yeah, no, those are the three. Okay, so I was I was confused earlier. The unwind. No, I book, didn't think it was. I thought it was. Yeah. The unwind books are called unwind, unholy, and unsold. And there's a came out first between those two. Again. Now I'm curious about that. They were uh, dramatic, dude. What an absolutely wild concept to write into a YA novel. <laughs> and it was like I rem- It's like aimed at children like it's not like adult fantasy i very much read it at the ripe age of 12 <laughs> and i was like what the heck it says that everlost came out in 2008 which is bizarre because did he was he writing these trilogies at the same time perhaps maybe they were once all supposed to be like possibly because this unwind was 2007 30. yeah 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 that's why i said jesus oh. christ Neil. yeah 
All right. Yeah, so in Unwind, a bunch of these kids who realize that they're about to get unwound, unwound uh, kind of like run away and start like questioning the system. And it's just sort of like, yeah, why would this ever happen? <laughs> like, that does not make any sort of sense. Yeah. And it feels now that I know that it came out after Never Let Me Go, that Neil Schusterman must have just read Never Let Me Go. And <laughs> like, how can I make this my own <laughs> and for kids? <laughs> Damn. Uh, so do we have a ratings on there? Let me go. Or do we do we have more stuff we wanted to talk about? about? Hmm. I have one more thing. Yeah, what is up. up with us and choosing books where people are really shit friends? Like Ruth is a shit friend. That's I understand true. that she's like a child at the beginning, but then <laughs> at the end, I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? What yeah, other books are there? Shit friends. I guess uh, the uh, year of rested is- relaxation. Yeah, and then I was going to say Breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, I don't know about that. Aren't they just like, wait, I feel like they're both just awful, but they're kind of good friends to each other. I don't feel That like... was the vibe that I got. Yeah. Doesn't Can Holly, just... like, ghost her friend? Yeah, she just, like, leaves. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. That's not very nice. <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I uh, was super annoyed at the character of Ruth. But ultimately, I was like glad that she was written like that. Like that she the died. Book, yeah, she did die. She got what was coming. But by the end <laughs> of the book, I was like, you know, it makes sense that like there would be a handful of these clone people who like take this so badly that they become just like assholes. Like, I, what else are you supposed to do with your limited time on Earth and you know that you're about to die, but like play mind games with people, you know? Like, how else are you supposed to entertain yourself or like self-soothe yourself? And she's got this like jealousy of people who don't have the same fate that she can't take out on anybody in the real world. So like the jealousy has to almost get like projected onto other clone people in these like weird misguided ways and so by the end of the book it all made a lot of sense to me and i was glad that a character was written like that but in terms of like reading it i was like god this is annoying i was like (laughs) shut up yeah (laughs) are you kidding me (laughs) no i think it made that's what made the book so interesting though if it was just good vibes the whole time it would it would feel if it was well no that's what i mean like if it was good vibes the whole time it, it would uh it would feel like too moralizing you know, mm. I think I think yeah. the, the the primary uh, success of this book for me was the way that he presented these guys as real people, mm-hmm. and it's like you kind of you recognize some of the interactions, and you're like, oh yeah, I've s- seen this or lived through it before. Sure. And then at the end, it's uh, like it eventually becomes, what if these people were not real people? but are they not real people? <laughs> like, I mean, and that's the question that's brought up, but I think, yeah, no, I think it, it, if it was just, uh, you know, like everyone's, if it was just about the conflict of being these clone people ready to be harvested, then it, it would turn to moralizing. So I'm glad that, that most of the conflict was about the friend group. I guess. Mm-hmm. I liked that the three main friends were just extremely, different people who like struggled with this whole concept in completely different ways and like their behaviors like manifested differently even though they are all going through the exact same thing which is something that like nobody else in the world is ever going to go through so like 
I don't know. This could have been could have been written like they all have the exact same response to it, and um, they only have each other in this world. But instead, it was like they all have very unique struggles with this, and so they harm each other <laughs> sometimes. And I thought that that was like a way more interesting and compelling way to do it, especially like. Yeah. You get to see Kathy like fully just kind of accept it and kind of lean into it, which I'm sure would be real. Like I think a lot of people in this situation would be just sort of like, this is my fate. I'm going to like be a good carer. I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to enjoy my time. So be it. And then there's a person like Ruth who hates it and is like, I wish I could know more. I'm going to mess with my friends because I'm like jealous of the people in the real world. Like I, she's just like struggling. Like she's just kind of miserable and it's coming out. And then I, I think the most interesting is the guy is Tommy who is just kind of like felt almost like a not real person. Like Tommy felt most like a clone to me. Yeah. That's fair actually. Yeah. It's just kind of like, doesn't really get it. Like, I don't know, just kind of like has these like weird meltdowns that nobody seems to understand. Like none of the rest of them have feelings that come out as strongly as Tommy does. And then they like don't get it. And actually, when I just said that out loud, it's like, well, then the other ones are more like the clones than Tommy is. But Tommy was more like no thoughts, head empty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Truly, truly. Yeah. It was like this man was not paying attention at Tommy. I was just vibing, bro. Just vibing. <laughs> I was thinking that Tommy is like the screensaver and it's like when yeah. I was in the corner, I have a thought. But aside from that, <laughs> just bouncing around in there. Nice. nice. I don't know. I would want to be Tommy. He's just vibing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I mean is arguably the best way to cope with this. Exactly. Situation. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, what else are you gonna do? Because like Kathy, Kathy uh, is the last man standing. <laughs> right. But no, uh, I like Tommy struggles so much at the school, like uh-huh. can't make art, can't learn, can't like regulate his emotions. And everybody has to deal with this for him. And then ultimately it's like, but he made the best clone. He, he's a, yeah, the best clone. <laughs> now that you put it that way, that's more interesting. I like this book more <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Now. <laughs> um, cool. Do we have ratings for it? I I like want to give it a four star. I think I will give it a four star. It yeah. was pretty good. The more we talk about it, the more I'm like, it explored some really interesting ideas. But I just can't stress enough that I feel like Blade Runner is better. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I totally should. You got us. Actually. Have any of us actually read the book Blade Runner is based off of? Okay, so I haven't, but I was talking to a friend's dad about this. And he said, and the way he said this was so funny, so I always remember it. He said, uh, to say that Blade Runner was based, like he disagreed that Blade Runner was based off of uh, the Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. And he said more like that the, the book was open on an adjacent table when Blade Runner was being written. <laughs> like there's a rough like the rough concept. Like it's not uh that's not so necessarily funny. like an adaptation. Um I honestly have not that much interest in reading that book. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a book that Blade Runner was based on. Yeah. Philip K. Dick. Do you have a rating for this on Aubrey? Oh I do. Um 
I'm going to give it a 4.2. Ooh. It was not a 5. It was not moving enough mm-hmm. for a 5. Yeah, I agree. But it wasn't, it was still a very, it's not the worst book I've ever read. And it's, it's far from it, actually. Uh, and so, yeah. Me too. Yeah, I think it was good. I was going to give this one a two when we started the episode, but then as we talked about it more, I liked it better, so I give it a three. Wow, a two? Would that be the lowest ever? Not ever, but maybe the ones that we've done on the podcast. Yeah, no, what is I gave your... something else a two. What was it? I what it was. Never mind. I probably gave uh, the devil all the time a two. Oh, I'm, I, didn't I like think that I gave one. that one a pretty low rating, too. Yeah. Uh, well no i just i don't want to be like overly harsh but i think there's a clear difference of how i felt about this book versus how i felt about you know anything else i've given a four to or sure yeah at the beginning i was like did but then uh i'm I'm swayed a little bit so it's a a three out of five which is over 50 percent. that's a passing grade come on come on (laughs) come on (laughs) i I keep kind of struggling with my rating of this one. I think I'll just stick with four. I am just kind of annoyed that it felt like it wanted to say something about morality. And then ultimately, I don't really think that it did. Yeah, that's the thing for me. And and also for me is that I always uh, prioritize like how it ended. And I wasn't necessarily as happy with how this book ended as how it started. Because I was Mm -hmm. way on board in the earlier stages yeah. of this book and just something about the ending just it always, it always like sway it has like higher higher uh yeah sway in in what i ultimately think of it overall so my yeah. feelings on this book are also making me question how i feel about like the discussion on like genetic human genetic engineering in the first place because i think i at one point would have said that i really like stories that like explore that and that i find it really interesting and at this point i think i'm like there's honestly only so much to be said about it and it's kind of already all been said like it kind of feels like the end of the discussion (laughs) we've had enough i think we're showing off how young we are to be that we've like exclusively lived in like a post genetic engineering world because sure. you know That's back in the fair. early uh, sorry in the late nineties this was a big big topic but now I'm like yeah, yeah. Gattaca came out in 1997 I thought it was like late 90s, I just remember because I watched that for class we talked about it in the wrap either last month or two two months ago and uh, I thought the movie as itself was like it was done pretty well the concept really got me thinking it was for like a like a not a film class so oh. um but yeah i don't know a, a lot i felt the same way yeah certain gattaca, sections oh, sorry, go, go ahead uh, gattaca was one of the first movies i ever watched that was about like the ethics of genetic mm-hmm. engineering and it blew my mind like i was yeah. like well there's so much to consider about this and now like a couple stories deep into it i'm like I think it's all been considered. Yeah. <laughs> We've considered it. Yeah. I don't know. It's but it is kind of funny when you see some of those arguments on genetic engineering. It's it's kind of like people underestimate how hard it is and also how many variables you have to control for, especially um, germline engineering when people are like, Yeah, we're gonna have designer babies. I'm like I don't I don't know if you I don't know if you took basic biology dog, but that's gonna be uh, real hard. <laughs> Really I hard. hope not. After watching Gattaca. <laughs> yeah. After watching Gattaca, I have learned. Um, yeah. Well, also, also like, this is, this is like a big thread in watching of like how much uh, the ultimate sway for Doctor Manhattan is that like 
how much of a miracle each person is. I think that's yeah. that's a beautiful thought to think about. That's very true. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. So yeah, that's never let me go. I think we're good to wrap it up here. I think yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so I will pick the next book, but I don't have anything now. I was looking on my shelf, and uh, none of none of them are book club suitable unless we want to read another Murakami. But I want to mix it up. Yeah, let's mix it up. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I'll find something for us all to read um, in the cool. next couple weeks. But uh, I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, uh, I want to mix it up a little bit. I'll find something. And then another one is I, I got a gentleman in Moscow and that's high up. So that's like, I'm going to read that. I love that. But book. You've already read it. So yeah. But like the great Gatsby, I'm going to reread. And, uh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I would reread either of those though, if that's what you ended up wanting to do. Yeah. I don't mind rereading a book for book club. Hmm. Okay. Well, speaking of reread, well, rewatching stuff next week, we're going to be watching, uh, last year at Marion bad, which is a movie that I've seen. And I've been meaning to rewatch for a while, and I decided that you need to watch it. <laughs> um, excited! To I watch. think I think if if uh, I, I I was psyched, uh, eight and a half is like my intro into like European art cinema. Mm. Um, but I think if the first movie I saw from like that was last year at Marienbad, mm. I would. Uh, I think I think a certain amount of people who have seen it could classify their lives as. Um, before they first watched last year, Mary Mad and after this. <laughs> uh, that, that'll be my, my intro to that. Um, nice. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I watched it probably for the first time, probably about a year ago, sometime last summer, I feel like. Um, and I'm I really want to see it again. So I've been meeting to it for a while and it just makes sense because we're it'll be like a quick turnaround week. So I think it it, it works out good. So Okay, awesome. Yeah, that'll be the next episode, and then we'll have the wrap-up for May after that one, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll figure where to go from that. But uh, that's uh, that's our plan for the next the next couple, anyways. Um, so that means all that is left to do is to recommend an album. Do you have an album to recommend? Yes, I'm very... I think I mentioned on the last episode that three albums came out on Friday, that Friday that I was very excited to recommend. And I recommended the black keys one first because mm-hmm. I love the black keys. And today I will recommend my, the one I'm second most excited about, which is Florence and the machines, brand new album called dance fever. I love Florence and the machine. I've been like a diehard Florence and the machine fan since I was in middle school. She's one of my like longest love artists. I think she has the most beautiful voice of anyone alive right now. No exaggeration. Nice. And I love her. And this album has absolutely not disappointed me. My favorite song on it so far is Dream Girl Evil. Also, Dave from Glass Animals collaborated on a lot of the songs on this album, Ooh. which is very cool to me because I also really love Glass Animals and have for many years. There you go. It's great. You know, it's, a nice, it's a nice little side note because Florence and the Machine has a song or called Never Let Me Go. Does she really? Yeah. Yes. I'm not a coincidence. 90% of Florence and the Machine songs. <laughs> I not even spreading misinformation in the media. No, she does. She does have a Yeah. There you have it. I didn't even remember that. Thank you for the... You're a fake fan, Addy. I, I kind of feel like it. 
didn't even know the songs. <laughs> All right, Aubrey, do you have an album? I sure do. I have Sharon Van Eaton's Remind Me Tomorrow. I love oh, that. Album. I've recommended this album for the pod before. <laughs> I gotta choose another one. No, no, no. Talk about it. I love this. This is like one of my favorite albums of the year it came out. I I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of Sharon. I thought she was really, you know what? It's kind of funny that I mentioned her because she was on the OA, which was another sci-fi series that had a really bad ending. Wow. It was really good at the ending and that it was really bad. But <laughs> I'm a big Sharon fan. Yeah, I think 17 is a great song. She is uh, spectacular. But yeah, 17 and Jupiter 4 are the songs that I like. Sharon. We're big fans of Sharon. Yeah. I personally believe Sharon can belongs. make it into the podcast hall of fame. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> cool. Uh, my album this week is called Sonic Nurse by Sonic Youth. <laughs> I think this is their most underrated album by far. It came out in 2004, I feel like. Uh, and it is so good. I've been listening to it a lot. The, the specific song, Dude Ranch Nurse, has been one of my favorites for a while. And I didn't realize that like it wasn't that popular. Because <laughs> I don't I don't remember exactly how I like found it, but it was one of the ones that I played nonstop like last summer, maybe. Um, and then the whole album is good. There's there's a song from this album on the daily today, actually. Um, which won't be today by the time anyone's listening to this, but uh, but uh, that that one's called um, "I Love You, Golden Blue," which mm. is which is one of the more popular songs in this album. But it's just it's so good, and I mean I love Sonic Youth. Like everything they put out is really cool, but this one specifically feels like it's not listened to as much as to uh, to warrant to um, reflect how good it is. Mm. So. Yeah, everyone should listen to it. It's Sonic Sonic Nurse. Nice. So that's uh, th- that's what we got for this week. Um, Book Club Sixteen is in the back. Sure is. We'll figure out soon enough what we're going to be reading for the next book club. Book Club Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So that that's that's all us for this week i'll actually do the mailbag that i said i was going to do with the with the question about um movies that are well regarded that you personally don't don't uh, like um for the episode that we're going to record in a couple of days and it'll come out a, a little later i guess um awesome yeah check us out on the instagram at speaking english pod uh that's where we'll do those mailbags at and uh, give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts helps out a lot too. And uh, yeah, have a, have a great week this week. Everyone, do great things. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Thank you. Bye now. <laughs>